0: Hi, oddings. This is the Something Scary podcast. I'm your Ate Sapphire. Today's episode is going to be a little bit different. We'll start with a story called Someone's Taking Over My Body, and you can find the animated version over at slash snarled. And after that, I have a chat with John Braver, the director of the interactive horror show Delusion in Los Angeles. So, want to hear something scary? Sky. Someone's taking over my body. Have you ever had an out of body experience or slipped into a very realistic daydream once in a while? 15-year-old Lizanne has, multiple times. But they're more than just daydreams. She believes that someone is trying to take over her body. The earliest incident Lizanne can remember was when she was eight years old. She was cast in her school's musical about vampires. One of the musical numbers required them to form a pyramid, sort of like what cheerleaders do. Lizanne was on the second to the bottom row. She had never done anything like this before and was incredibly nervous. And then, Lizanne couldn't move. She was paralyzed. Her entire body was frozen in place. She couldn't open her mouth to call for help or wave her hand for someone's attention. Then everything began to fade to black. Lizanne was alone until a young boy appeared in front of her. He had short blonde hair and clean semi-formal clothes. He held his hand out, motioning for Lizanne to come to him. She had never seen this boy, but felt compelled to go to him. No longer paralyzed, Lizanne stood up and ran towards the little boy and then found herself back in the auditorium. She crashed onto the ground and rolled off the stage Her fellow cast members following the same fate. High-pitched screams filled the auditorium. Lizanne tried to stand up, but realized very quickly that her arm was broken. Are you okay? How did this happen? Lizanne's mom, Melanie, asked as she drove her daughter to the hospital. I fell during rehearsal, she said, leaving out a very important detail. Lizanne continued to have these strange blackouts and thought it would be best to not let her mother worry, so she kept them to herself. When she was 13, she was waiting at the train station alone. It was a hot day and she had a tendency to get overwhelmed by heat. A train sped by and she was engulfed in a cloud of hot air. She started to feel faint. Then everything around her turned black. She was back in that familiar void. That same blonde boy appeared a few dozen feet in front of her. What are you doing over there? Get over here! The train's coming, hurry! In a daze, Lizanne began to walk towards the boy until she felt someone grab her from the back. Lizanne snapped back into reality, just as a train whipped past, narrowly missing her nose. Are you trying to get yourself killed? Pay attention! The summer after that incident, Lizanne and her friends were hanging out at the nearby lake. They were laying out on their towels by the water and joking around. And then her friends said a word that triggered something inside of Lizanne. She doesn't remember exactly what her friend said, but she remembers her body just stopped working. She closed her eyes and saw a face with no eyes and no nose, just a smile, like the Cheshire Cat, but much more evil. She reopened her eyes and found herself in the middle of the lake. Lizanne didn't know how to swim. She started flailing her arms and legs around in a panic, trying to stay above water. Her friend jumped in and was able to pull her safely ashore. After everyone had calmed down, Lizanne turned to her friends. What just happened? Um, You started mumbling really weird things, and then you stood up, turned around, and screamed at us, and said that you were going I'm to kill yourself. i kill myself! And then you jumped into the lake. I don't remember any of that these blackouts were starting to get much more serious. Lizanne had kept these incidences from her mother because she didn't want her to worry, but something very strange was happening and Lizanne had to know why. Mom, I have to tell you something. Lizanne began to tell her mom about all the blackouts and her eyes became wide with terror. Lizanne thought it was because she didn't believe her. They sat in silence for a few moments. Melanie took a deep breath I was right. I was right this whole time. Melanie had sworn that she wouldn't tell her daughter about what happened when she was younger. But after hearing the fear in her daughter's voice, she knew it was time. When Lizanne was small, she was very close with her great-grandfather on her mother's side, which is her Indonesian side. Indonesians believe in the concept of ru. It is the spirit that continues to exist long after the physical body has gone. It is far beyond human understanding and a very ingrained belief in Indonesia. So Lizanne's great-grandfather told her stories of Ru to help her cope with the fact that he would physically be leaving her soon. And that day came when Lizanne turned four. Despite the comforting stories her great-grandfather told her, she was still upset and missed him dearly. Melanie began to worry about her daughter's well-being as she noticed that she was more emotionally closed off than before. So every night, she would take a peek inside her room to check on her. Most nights, she'd be muttering gibberish through tears under her breath. But some nights, she wasn't in her bed because she was sleepwalking. There are a few times when Melanie walked into Lizanne's room to find her sitting on the ground, surrounded by her dolls and stuffed animals. She'd be having a full-on conversation with them while her eyes were shut. While it was always a bit of a shock, nothing compared to the time when she found Lazanne standing at her open bedroom window, reaching in front of her, crying, Grandpa! Melanie rushed over to her daughter and pulled her from the ledge. Lazanne, what were you doing? I was going to Grandpa. While Melanie was incredibly superstitious, Lazanne's father, Ryan, was not. Melanie insisted that they take her to a priest to make sure something otherworldly was not going on. But Ryan shut the idea down. Instead, he took her to a psychiatrist who explained that Lizanne's behavior was completely normal for a young, grieving child. So after that visit, Lizanne's parents agreed to never bring this up again. Without telling Ryan, Melanie took Lizanne to the nearby church. They told the priest what had been going on, and he explained the situation. When Lizanne's great-grandfather died, she became susceptible to spiritual attacks. The rue of a young boy saw this opportunity and attached himself to Lazanne. He waits until she's emotionally vulnerable and tricks her into harming herself. His goal is to have her join him in this spirit world. Can you get rid of him? Melanie begged. I'm sorry, but I cannot, you're too late. What do you mean? You waited too long. He has been attached to your daughter for so long that to get rid of him would mean getting rid of her. I am so sorry. And now, more Something Scary. I had the honor of interviewing John Braver, a professional stuntman and the director of Delusion. I'll let him explain a little bit about what it is, if you don't know what it is. Uh, I went to the show a few weeks ago and was absolutely mind-blown so if you get the chance tickets for the spring season are on sale right now at enterdelusion.com and I highly recommend buying your tickets soon because they sell out really fast. This is a phone interview so I apologize for the audio quality but nevertheless I hope you enjoy.
1: Lisa, hi it's John Braver.
0: Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? I'm great, thank you so much for uh, doing this. Yeah, sure.
1: No problem.
0: So I sure. recently attended uh, Delusion for the first time a couple weeks ago. Uh, I had never been before, and it was the one that was like on my list that I had always wanted to go to. And it was I thought it was amazing. Um, so just really briefly for those listening who have never attended a Delusion play, could you tell us a little bit about what they are and a little bit about the Blue Blade this year?
1: Yeah, well, it's awesome. First of all, it- Congrats! This is your first time coming through, yeah. like ever. <laughs> That's great. That's a cool one to start with. Um, and, and we're going to bring back old shows, so you'll be able to revisit them. Oh, awesome! Have, Yay! You know, well, not revisit, visit them for the first time. But um, so, if, yeah, if you've never been to Delusion, it's uh, it's really like stepping into a movie and playing a part in a movie um, <clears throat> with uh, its theater with you know no walls uh, and it's it's. You're living inside of a, you know, it's a living, breathing world um, that we've created. So you're in the story. You really have, it's, there's nothing quite like it. You you really feel as if you've entered another world. So um, it's interactive theater. It's a moving play. So this is the most simple way to kind of describe it. It's a moving play. Um, you're not sitting down. You're moving through the story, um, interacting with actors and stunt people, all choreographed to uh, an original score, hence the, uh, the movie quality feel to it about an hour and 10 minutes, and it it goes through different acts. So, you know, I write it like a screenplay as well, too. And uh, so it really really is sort of, you know, as I said, like living in a movie. Um, This one is an action-adventure one, which takes a bit of a departure from, like, previous ones that were more horror-oriented. This one has some creepy, eerie elements to it, for sure, but uh, it's more an homage to my favorite films, such as, like, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's got a very Indiana Jones feel to it. And, um, yeah, it's small groups, eight people at a time moving through the story. And, uh, it's, it's the story itself called the blue blade is just about a a woman named Evelyn Lowell. She's a professor, this organization called the Safeguard Society that uh, protectors of rare antiquities. And she stole this precious artifact called the blue blade, which can cut through the fabric of space and time. And she uh, is missing and you're sort of recruited by the society to go and track her down and figure out what exactly happened. So it's mysterious and it's adventurous and it's just a, a crazy good time like unlike any other
0: yeah I loved it I immediately texted like all of my friends afterward and I was like we have to go together next year
1: oh yeah I mean it's, spring's available so this is the time when like a lot of delusion fans have come through and they're like oh my god I don't want to take people and sold out this fall well we for the first time ever we extended to spring so there are tickets oh, available starting January 14th
0: Perfect. Good to know. (laughs) Um, so the show obviously has a lot of moving parts. Um, there's a lot of choreography involved, like getting everything perfectly planned, putting on something like this must be very challenging. I just wanted to know what was one of the biggest challenges that you had to face.
1: Part of your question, I would remove the word perfectly because I'm glad that you feel that way, (laughs) (laughs) but it's, you know, it's live theater, so it could, it could be messy at times, but it's, um, Audience might not ever, and I never know. Yeah. Uh, but it, the fact that we got open is kind of crazy that we actually opened in time. Uh, the biggest challenge was the, like the scope of the project. It was our biggest build yet, and um, you know we're creating different eras that you're going through. It's a big risk, like financial risk. Uh, people think like, oh, you got a hundred dollar ticket. These guys are you know doing pretty well. Complete opposite. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's still theater. It's still a small theater. Uh, we're, you know just to run a scrape by and to make this work, but we, you know, when I do something, I like to do it big and I like to uh, make this feel as if it's like a million dollar Epic feature film that a little theater company is putting on. So yeah, I think the biggest challenge was, yeah, a financial challenge and like a timing challenge, trying to get this thing up in time um, within, you know, we remember our production designer, Kevin Williams. He's incredible. And he, he and his team put together um, a six week schedule and was built, built like four different time periods so
0: in six weeks
1: six weeks yeah
0: that's that's absurd to me
1: <laughs> it, is, it is absurd because <laughs> it's absurd for many reasons because we actually like you know we probably lost some of our lives in this thing like, like years <laughs> of our life we just aged I mean I'm 22 but <laughs> I mean I'm aged like crazy so we all have it's it's been yeah you know, that I mean if we want to be really honest yeah it's challenging to put this stuff on and to like keep your sanity and I and mean, anybody who does theater knows it's, it's tough. This one was uh, our, our most difficult one yet. So I'm just very proud of the team and the fact that we actually opened in time.
0: Yeah, it, was amazing. it, was, it was amazing. <laughs> yeah, and, um, you know, aside from all of the problems and challenges that you face, uh, what's what are your favorite aspects about live interactive theater like this?
1: Yeah, I, mean, I do. I love aspects of it, like a lot of aspects of it, enough aspects that keep it going. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> I think the biggest Thing that I love about it is definitely the uh, audience reaction. I think mm-hmm. when people come out of it, like for example, this, this woman came out and and everybody's like sweating when they're done. It's just it's pretty action oriented and um, it's a workout. And so when this woman's coming out, she's fanning herself and just got the biggest like kid smile on her face. And I overheard her in the lounge. She she's like looking at her friends, just breathless and just like she, she just just yells out. She's like, I feel like a kid again. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, that's it. Like, that's it right there. That was, I mean, out of all the difficulties, like you hear stuff like that. It's like, it's like, you're a, a, a tank with gas. Like it yeah. runs on empty and you hear that and it starts to fill up again. And it's exactly what it's like. It's like, Oh my God, that's so cool. So since I was a kid, always, I love taking people on adventures. Like that's always been in my DNA and in everything that I do as a kid and growing up in college, everything. So this is like a perfect, you know, evolution. And that's, just seeing people go on an an adventure and just be kids again, it's intoxicating.
0: Yeah, seems like it. So although this year's Mm -hmm. story wasn't like as horror-based as previous years, I still found myself really freaked out at times. Um, I was just wondering, where do you get your inspiration for how to scare your audience? Um, And why do you think we love immersing ourselves in horrifying stories?
1: Well, I'll start with the second part. Why do we like immersing ourselves in these kind of stories? I think there's nothing brings people closer together than like the fear of death, like getting close to <laughs> yeah. something exhilarating and, you know, being able to come out on the other side and talk to each other about it. Or, you know, not even just horror, but just like you, I think immersing yourself in these kind of events are, it's, a, it's escape on another level beyond like movies and, you know, 2d kind of thing because you're actually living inside of it. So, um, it affects you in sort of a, a granular sort of way. I mean, it, it affects you subconsciously. You don't even know how it affects you until maybe weeks later and you start revisiting some of your experiences. You don't, you didn't quite piece together and it, it's, I think it just affects you in a deeper way than people even think because we need, like, we just need this stuff. We need, like humans need this kind of connection. We need like tangible experiences and just being connecting to other people. And this is just a great, it's a great avenue for people to explore that um, that which they, you know, either lack or just don't get enough of. And well, that's the same thing. I uh, don't get enough of. Um, so, yeah, I think that's why we we do it. But also like, you know, let's, Hey, let's go, let's go skydiving together. Or let's go do this. Let's go climb this mountain together. Like you want to go on adventures together. And I think we just like doing that. Um, yeah. The first part, the question, um, what's the inspiration for horror? Like a lot of people like old school horror movies, mm-hmm. like, you know, Alien, Alien is one of my favorites, like uh, The Shining, Omen, 2, You know, Amityville Horror stuff like that. These are like lingering psychological horror. Most people these days like really enjoy that psychological horror, and that's that's been a big inspiration for me. Stuff that stuff that lingers. I, I'm big on. I don't do any like blood and guts or anything like that kind of stuff, just because it's it happens and it's over and done with. And it, whereas the, the more psychological stuff lingers that stuff along with like role-playing games. I was a big gamer trying mm-hmm. to return to my game roots right now, but I'm like picking up Dungeons and Dragons playbooks recently. Oh. <laughs> so, um, but uh, yeah, like gaming, role-playing games. That's, that's been a big inspiration as well too. Uh, you get terrified with some of these games, like, uh, you know, Resident Evil or movies that you watch, you know, aliens. Like I said, these are, these are things that just, I don't know, they stay like sit inside you and, you know, wonderfully horrible way.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I love it. Um, Yeah. So uh, our fans love ghost stories. This is a uh, scary storytelling podcast. And I was curious to know if you or anybody that you knew had ever experienced anything paranormal.
1: Uh, Well, I guess you could say it's paranormal. I'm not sure so much about the other team. I mean, there has been, probably have to talk to them about it, but I'm sure that they've come across um, strange occurrences in the old houses that we used to use like a hundred year old homes but me personally i was shooting a, a, a this film I was directly called the hypnotist um and uh out, out in linda vista hospital if anybody knows like Ooh, in la yeah. here
0: <laughs> super
1: yeah yeah the place is terrifying so <clears throat> that's a a big landmark place that we all know about and but i don't think it's there anymore i think it got demolished oh. um actually yeah, i think it, it got turned into a the elderly home or something like that anyway i wouldn't want to be put there yeah like it's like being built on top of like a graveyard or something so i was down in the the cellars uh we were shooting some, we were shooting something Oh no i was going to go down there to do a little scout with somebody and it's like the, the boiler room kind of thing i think they even shot like Nightmare nightmare on elm street down there or something oh, like that awesome. so this is it's just ter- terrifying and it's,
0: you know, it's
1: it's underground it's got like large metal Doors and apparatus, and you can imagine all this stuff rusted and um, unused. And so there's this giant circular door that you can open up, and I opened it up, and there's this like, it's this like like long underground tunnel. It just went on as far as the eye yeah, could see, and it was it was terrifying. It might have just my my brain talking, but I opened it up and I heard like a breath on the whis- and like a whisper on the breeze kind of thing, like coming yeah. out of as if I released uh, spirits within that tomb, <laughs> I kind open it up and I heard something coming towards me through like the dark tunnel. It very well, could have been somebody trying to escape and they saw their, the door open, Whoa. trying to get out. But they were far away, and it was just just like, <sighs> oh it's like this weird talking, like you can almost hear like a little voice. And some light was shifting a little bit down. And it was pretty dark, but there was like some weird light. Maybe there's light spilling in from where I was, but it didn't. It didn't. Its source. It didn't make sense, and I, I obviously, you know, sh** <laughs> myself, and then I um closed closed the door uh, in that order. Sh** so, <laughs> yourself, then close the door, um, and I just I just locked it shut, and I said, "We're gonna go upstairs now." And we just ran, uh, that's but, so uh, yeah, that place is yeah. Have you ever been there? You ever been no, inside it? No, I haven't. It? Yeah, well, you, you no no chance anymore.
0: I know. Unless
1: maybe when you turn like eighty and you want to be admitted into that place, then. <laughs> Yeah, go I mean. for it.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, yeah. thank you so much for joining me. Um, is there anything else you would like to plug?
1: Uh, I mean, the biggest plug right now is for people to experience it again. I mean, it's it, or for the first time of people, you know, you, you have been once uh, there's multiple paths within the show. If you can remember, there's a few mm-hmm. different avenues you can take. So a lot of people have come two or three times since tickets are sold out this fall. As I said, we can, you can go to Enter delusion.com and we've extended for the first time ever in spring, so February 14th to June 30th, there are tickets available. So, I would say move your ass and get on it, <laughs> get some tickets.
0: <laughs> well, thank you so much, John.
1: All right, cool. Thanks, Effer.
0: All right, bye. I'll see you. If you'd like to submit a story, send an email to at snarled.com. This podcast is also available in video form at youtube.com/snarled. Until next time. Sweet dreams